passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Rewind to Raw is live. I am John Pollock, joined by the champ is here, Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How are you doing? What's I'm going doing, on? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. I've got uh, my decaf coffee all ready to go here. Ooh. I've got some water. A decaf coffee and water. Okay. You just never know. Some of these shows get a little lengthy. I need... Uh, I, I'm subconscious now because uh, when I got sick earlier this year, there was one show where I nearly lost my voice and it was almost gone. Have ne- that's never happened to me. Never happened since and never had happened before. But I, it Has was- it ever happened in your career? Have you ever had an instance where you've lost your voice for a broadcast or, or anything like that? It's never happened, no. And wow. apparently it's uh, – I've heard from like people that have you know, done, done commentary for a living that it's – it's not a common occurrence. Honestly, one of the few times I can recall it is some of those lengthy pay-per-views where Michael Cole was just struggling by by the end. But right. you you would think it would happen all the time, but I'm sure there's some science to it of project. Uh, in fact, there have been times that I've been very sick, but then when you have to start, somehow your your body just goes into uh, uh, goes on automatic and you're you're fine. Is that adrenaline? Maybe, maybe. I get. I always get an adrenaline rush when we go live. Well, I mean, I'm assuming you've never had to call a seven-hour WrestleMania. No, no, I'm not in that league, so uh, yeah. I, I don't have any comparison point to to that amount. Maybe someday. I had to call judo for quite a few hours. Yeah, right, right. Back in Russia. Yeah, my voice didn't go out there. We had plenty of vodka though to keep you around. So, well, 
Anyway, we have uh, lots to discuss on on this show, so that's uh, that's me cutting out the small chat chat as we get into uh, the the real uh, substance of the show. We have raw to discuss. We have a bunch of news items, and off the top, though, in house notes uh, number one is the status for post-wrestling cafe members or prospective cafe members. Uh, Patreon has come up with this revolutionary idea that when you sign up for the post-wrestling cafe, you will not be billed until 30 days, no matter when you sign up. You will have a 30-day cycle, whether you sign up on the first day of the month, the third day of the month, the 27th day of the month. If you sign up on October the 31st, you're not going to be billed the next day. You will be billed 30 days later. What a genius invention. Yeah, maybe just to clarify what you what you said. You will be charged upon signing up, but you will not be charged on the first of the month. How it used to work is, if say, let's say somebody signed up on the 29th, they would get charged on, on that day. And then when the first would roll, roll around, they would get charged again. Oh, now, is that how it works? That, that was how it worked before, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but now, if you sign up on the 29th, you don't get charged it again for your next bill until the 29th. So you get your full 30 days or however long a month is, um, depending on the month. And uh, that means you don't have to, you know, wait till the first. And there's no disadvantage to signing up at any point. Yes. So we don't have to hammer uh, you home just once a month. We can we can hammer it over to you every single time uh, that, that that we are live. But uh, it's always a great time to join the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, this week alone, we're going to have several shows coming your way, including Rewind Away on Tuesday night. We're going to continue our WCW reviews. We last did Starcade 95. We're fast-forwarding six months to the Great American Bash from June of 1996, featuring the Giant versus Lex Luger, and Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green against Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, as well as Kevin Nash and Scott Hall appearing at this pay-per-view to answer the hard-hitting question, do you still work for the WWF? Uh, I can't wait. Yes. We will also have some notes, including the back and forth between WCW and Jerry McDivitt over this, uh, this contentious issue of using uh, the insinuation that WWF characters have taken over WCW, some, some hilarity uh, courtesy of the Nitro book. So that uh, will be coming out on Tuesday. That's all. There's also a D Malenko versus Rey Mysterio in Rey Mysterio's first WCW match on this show. So man, um, look at, look at the, get the full breadth of the man's, you know, uh, North American television, uh, national television career by listening to this show and then listening to Tuesday's Great American Bash 96 review. Of course, She-Hulk is uh, chugging along as the season is uh, beginning to wind down. Uh, is, is this way, I know you're only casually following She-Hulk. Is it at the level of the bear? No. <laughs> no, it is not. No. You finished uh, the season, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. There aren't many things like on the level of the bear. Like yeah, as much as a, a fan I am of the MCU. Yeah. So last night, right before I recorded with WH, me and my wife, I said, I've got like a half hour before I've got to record. You want to get one show in? We watched episode nine, uh episode seven. Okay. Okay, I, I knew I knew you were going to talk about this. And spoiler alert: if you're not going to, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. Gonna I'm not going to talk about anything. But 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 I I was the same way, John. And, and like you know, these episodes are typically what like forty episodes, 40, 40 minutes or something. Not even under that. Right, sure. But this one in particular was like I saw in the guide. It's like twenty minutes. I'm like, oh, a twenty minute episode? What the hell? Come on, I I I sectioned off thirty minutes at least for this. You watch this thing, you understand Jesus. why it's twenty minutes. It's a masterpiece. 
I needed like, I needed like to like balance myself. I was so stressed for these 20 minutes. Oh yeah. Did you rewatch it? Cause I did like, and I don't even rewatch things anymore these days. Like I'll but, probably, re- I, I've had no time to ever go back. I, it, it's an episode that will absolutely stick with me that I will certainly go and rewatch. It was, it was a phenomenal 20 minutes of television. It's incredible. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, just the production of it, I, I, I really would love to. It know was incredible. I kind of knew the concept going in. So I was watching it with that alertness to it, but right. I, I would love to watch it again because I'm processing what I'm watching. And it's just, I mean, one of the most stressful 20 minutes, but brilliant. Uh, just tremendous. So I'm, I'm looking a, forward. I have one more episode left. It's a great show. And, and um, I'm pretty sure they're coming back for a second season. So yeah, high, high recommendation. Okay, last couple of plugs. Uh, Friday, we're going to be doing something different because Bound for Glory is Friday night. Myself and John Cena will be doing a post-show after Bound for Glory. That will be uh, the bonus show for Post Wrestling Cafe members. So for this week only, a free edition of Rewind to SmackDown as Wei Ting and Kate from Montreal will cover SmackDown, the season premiere from Worcester. They will cover Rampage and Battle of the Belts for because way just sits around all day he has nothing to do and he has plenty of hours to just sit back kick his feet up and watch four hours of wrestling and then chat about it with you the people before he goes to bed and sleeps for 13 14 hours after you know babies don't really you know like once there's multiple wrestling shows on they're like you take a break you know i'm just gonna sleep through the whole night don't bother me you know it's just sort of a natural instinct they have so yeah i'll be fine that is uh, Friday's uh, offering for you. And then Saturday night, Way and I come back together for the Extreme Rules post-show. <laughs> what a weekend we have ahead of us. It's a busy, busy next few days. So ha- happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and, and all of the Canadians out there. But yeah, you know, if you're enjoying the work, especially we're not, we're only talking, talking about the audio and not everything that, you know, is even going to go up on the site, which we have a number of incredible contributors helping us with. So uh, support the channel, sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com or if you prefer YouTube, video.postwrestling.com. Yes, check out all of that. And again, postwrestlingcafe.com. Anytime you sign up is a great time. Uh, Antonio Inoki, we're not going to spend too much time on this because uh, we did spend quite a bit on Friday's uh, Rewind to SmackDown, reacting to his passing. And the WH Park and I uh, did a whole show on him on Sunday night. Uh, WrestleNomics also covering his passing as well. Uh, there's just like an overall observation way, a ton of coverage for Antonio Noki. There was a feature written in the New York Times, like all your major outlets covering this. And it was... I think a combination, obviously in Japan, you knew this was going to be a major passing when it occurred. But I think in the U.S., it's a lot of it is the Ali fight, but it's also his political career. It's, you know, just all these different chapters attached to his career that has gotten you know worldwide focus on on his death. Agreed. Honestly, it's the type of like um, attention that has surprised me because um you know, not not to just even say it about um, uh, somebody uh, more well known on on in a different country as part of another sort of like culture, but just as a professional wrestler, like it it really does tell me how much the man transcended just the sport of professional wrestling. Did you happen to see that video that was shot of him a week before he died? Mm-mm. They were in his like hospital room, and he's so frail. And I guess he wanted to get some video message out. It was it was dated September 22nd. So this is, and you know, he dies 
it's September 30th for us, October 1st in Japan, but you can uh, do, do the uh, the time. And it was just sad. I mean, he was talking about, you know, just the state he was in that, you know, there was a time he wouldn't have wanted people to see him like this. He had this message about just pollution in the earth and making sure to throw away your, your trash. Like that was his message. Uh, but then when they said like how he, you know, he noted that his um, he, he doesn't have a, a partner to to talk with during the day. So he spends his time in the hospital, just counting spots on the ceiling. Like it was just, wow. it was really sad just to hear him in these, you know, final days of, uh, of his life. Just someone that you associate just as big, powerful figure, both, both mm-hmm. physically and just in terms of importance a- as well. And it was just um, a sad video that I just saw um, circulating around, but definitely um, the coverage has been immense. This is somebody that I feel what, uh, if you have the right person to really go through the true story of Antonio Noki, because there's a lot of, of fiction in, in Antonio Noki's life as well. And, and scandal as, as well that myself and WH went into, but there's a, there's a tremendous documentary. There is a tremendous book, I, I think on Antonio Noki. And there's, there's some great stuff out there that I dove into over the weekend. I definitely recommend uh, Josh Gross's book, uh, a lot of the back issues uh, of the observer as especially right after his retirement in 1998, um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of great material out there. But you know, he is among the most important figures in the history of professional wrestling. That is not hyperbole. And I, I don't know if you will see somebody that will just have this scope of influence over you know many different industries um, that that came around at, at a time when you know mixed martial arts was so in its infancy. And in Japan, it's it's just interesting to see how much that Ali fight is attached to his legacy. When at the time, I mean, it was a a joke that Muhammad Ali was taking part in this. And even the immediate aftermath, it was this disastrous fight. But as time has gone on, it's this blip in Muhammad Ali's legacy. But in Japan, it's now celebrated as the unofficial birth of mixed martial arts. And for Antonio Noki, it's this celebrated moment um, instead of one that's uh, frowned upon. But it was one that, you know, it did... You know, the, the card itself did like a 46 rating in Japan back in 1976. I mean, it was it was an enormous fight and aired in closed circuit over here. But I think that is a lot of people's um, attachment of that generation when they first became really well known of who Antonio Noki was, was this, this spectacle in 76. Is there, you know, another, I would say maybe mm, non-American or North American or Western world figure that you feel would receive this amount of press in professional wrestling if they were to pass? I mean, at, at this stage, I mean, I think you're going to be looking at, at figures that had such a significant run in, in Japan. And I think about the likes of a, of a, of a Terry Funk, of an Abdullah, the butcher um, of Tiger Jeet Singh, but, but not at the scope of Antonio Inoki. Um, you know, Inoki was in that class of, of an El Santo, of a giant Baba. Um, not, not at the level of Ricky Dozan, but I mean, to, to a generation, um, you know, they would probably have Anoki kind of in, in close proximity there. But I mean, that's, that's kind of your number one and number two when it comes to massive Japanese professional wrestling figures in, in the country. But it's, it's a small list. Like when you start to look at some of those figures that, cross over so many different generations and go back so many decades, you know, sadly, not as many of them are around. That's, that's unfortunately the, 
the, the, the cycle of life. But yeah, there, there's few that are going to come to the, the level of an Oki. And I can't think of an equal, like certainly here, you know, Vince McMahon, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, there are a lot of comparisons between an and Vince McMahon that, that you can make. And Vince McMahon will have, um, a ton more attention in the U S um, and probably worldwide, but Anoki's is it's, it's pretty strong when you see all of the coverage and just different outlets that dedicated uh, space to his passing over the weekend sports business journal. Um, they put out a note uh, we, we had mentioned on, on Friday, it was set, stated on SmackDown. It was their, their great, their best first day of ticket sales in Royal Rumble history. Well, Sports Business Journal stating over 25,000 tickets sold for the Royal Rumble at the Alamo Dome. So uh, a very successful advance for the Royal Rumble that is coming up at the end of January. As, as we're, are, as we're approaching, you know, a year of this kind of shift to not exclusively Saturday night pay-per-views, but generally by and large, Saturdays have become the new night for WWE. I think it's been a successful switch, and especially for live events, I think in particular the city, that seems to work a lot more for if you want to travel to some of these shows, um, having a Saturday Saturday night show as opposed to a, a Sunday. Do you think there's something to that? I I would think so. You know, like, yeah, you, nobody wants to take an extra day off just to kind of, you know, fly back or at least drive back or, or something like that. Um, I think it actually makes a whole lot of sense and it makes me wonder why it wasn't mm, considered before. Cause what is the disadvantage? I guess you just look at what's going on on it. You know, Sunday has just been our traditional night if you're professional wrestling, but I think you, you've learned that. Yeah. There's, you know, you have college football games on Saturday. You have, uh, you know, you have other sports. There's always a UFC going on, but I I think like WWE they've sort of carved out their their spot where their audience is going to find them on a, on a different night, and it's tough because we're not seeing specific numbers. We just get these sort of well this percentage growth over last year on on Peacock, but those would be those would be very very interesting numbers. And as the NFL has started running on Amazon Prime. There's Nielsen is now detailing th- those numbers on Thursday nights. And I wonder if we do get to a space where streaming gets more monitored as opposed to now where it's kind of this, this veil of secrecy about what these specific numbers are on streaming services as compared to the transparency we get for, for regular television. I think mm-hmm. it is going in that direction. It would be very interesting to see, you know, actual numbers that they're doing on, on Peacock. I, I'm sure it's very, very strong numbers, but will that growth continue now that it's year over year comparisons of being on Peacock itself? There's no doubt that, like I imagine, Saturday would be more competitive for people, you know, choosing to stay at home versus maybe a Sunday night. Um, but UFC has gotten away with it throughout its entire history, perfectly fine. Daniel Cormier has been added to Extreme Rules. We'll talk a bit about uh, more of this during the the Raw review. But uh, what was your overall thought way to Cormier being added as the special referee for the fight pit match? Uh, a man who you and I interviewed the Friday going into WrestleMania 31, and he seemed very much convinced about his man Seth Rollins when we when we interviewed him, and then Rollins ends up cashing in that 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 Sunday at WrestleMania. In a, in a video at this point, um, that I, I, I think of as Which pretty he brought legendary. Up. Yeah. 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 His reaction, you know, to seeing Seth Rollins cash in, legitimately his favorite wrestler. 
So, uh, you know, the announcement of this, I think, is just maybe another step in seeing, you know, the Levesque, um, at least creative administration, uh, maybe even the Nikon administration taking a further step into um, trying to get WWE into the same conversation as, you know, pay-per-view boxing or UFC. Um, And not to say this wouldn't have happened under Vince, but it seems like it's a bit more of a move in line with some of the other moves that this current administration has made. And I like it. You know, you're trying to sell this thing as MMA without necessarily calling it MMA. It's a fight pit match, right? Um, And I can't really think of too many people better than Daniel Cormier, if you're going to trust, you know, in a, in a bit of a speaking role, somebody with a name, um, somebody who is considered very much a legend, uh, they could have called Kane, but I, I don't know. Something tells me even Cormier is better than, you know, Kane, at least for this particular option, especially with the Rollins connection. Well, are you talking about Kane Velasquez? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) never mind. Jeez. I'm sorry. That's my second faux pas in less than a week. Yeah, you, yeah, that's you, not happening anytime soon. That, that's why his second landmine he stepped on in the last week <laughs> uh, was not going to be Kane. Velasquez. I've been away for a while, everybody. I've been in a spot. Very well, much locked in. Do you do you see this being more than a one off for Daniel Cormier? Because I think that's the natural speculation is that you know you you have some of these big shows coming up with Brock Lesnar and Brock has nothing. This would be the ideal opponent if if Daniel Cormier is interested. I think WWE would uh, have would be doing moonsaults to have uh, Daniel Cormier involved. Cause I mean, what, what big matches do you have for Brock on the horizon? Man, the fact that we're getting Logan Paul, you know, getting a title match at this point, I'm positive that they've, you know, already entertained this conversation with Cormier. I probably for years at, 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 already at this point, but up until this point in time, you tell me, John, like, where is he at, you know, contractually health wise? Um, what time does he have to offer to, 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 to pursue a career like this? What do you think? I mean, he's 43 years old. I think he would certainly have the, the interest to do it maybe once. Um, you know, him, him and Brock are, are very friendly. And I think that that would be, you know, they did that angle back in, in 2018 and never got to put the fight together, but that was very much the direction that they were, uh, Cormier was certainly hoping for, if you remember, and then ended up, you know, taking the fight with, uh, Derek Lewis. Um, but contractually, I mean, he's retired. I, I don't think he'd be bound by, by any limitations from his association with the, UFC to do a match here or there and you would certainly look at him um like Brock to me would be the automatic pick and whether that's Saudi is that Arabia first, is that the first match you do well I look at it this way it it feels like Brock is in a very similar role to if you remember back in 2016 and he does the Randy Orton match and if you remember they were teasing and talking about Brock and Shane McMahon for the next year and then they bring Bill Goldberg back and they do the Survivor Series match and that takes them to WrestleMania. And to me, if, if I was Brock, um, you know, Cormier would be a very like you can't do another Roman match. And as long as Roman is locked on this title, I mean, Brock is kind of exhausted from that picture. You sort of want to look for a detour and Daniel Cormier would be an enticing detour. And I think you could do something really similar where you do like Cormier overwhelms him, wins the first match in stunning fashion, and then you build to a rematch. And I think you could do that as um, as an idea. I think obviously, you know, he, he's an incredible athlete. And I think we we know that, you know, people that are high level amateur wrestlers, especially or people that are in MMA, like I think have enough tools to, to, to for you to create craft a match out of. But um, I almost wonder if you kind of sneak him in a little bit, 
you know, with with a little bit lower stakes first, you know, like a tag match of some sort, you know, just kind of dip his foot in the water, maybe build build that up a little bit because the Brock fight, if that Brock match, if it were to happen, feels like so so much of a culmination. Um, where do you go after? You know, and what if the match is no good? Then there's no rematch. At least the audience wouldn't want to see it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think that's what everyone's going to be looking at. Maybe even not the, the Sunday. Like maybe you, if you shoot that angle, you wait for for television. But I mean, Brock, he is advertised. You, like you would certainly assume he's on that Saudi Arabia card. And I mean, like what what do you have for Brock? Like you need to pretty much come up with something from scratch for for Brock, which Logan you can Paul. manage to do. But uh, Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, you know, take your pick. That well, Logan Paul's booked. He's, he's got his Saudi Arabia dance partner. So <laughs> maybe, maybe Jake one. Paul's uh, around. One week after <laughs> yeah. Anderson Silva, he, he goes for Brock. Friday night uh, numbers. Uh, SmackDown kind of uh, came back down to earth with uh, st- still a good number. 2,207,000 viewers and a .54 in the demo, down 13 and 14% respectively from last week. Um, but the big spike they had last week was 18 to 34, and it came down 32%. But still, even with this drop, they were number one among network programs and second on all of television behind a college football game on ESPN. But it, it certainly felt way, and I, I think accurately attributing last week's success to all of the 923 hype and when they didn't get a delivery on that tease i i think that the clues now they might be fun to follow but i don't know if you're going to spike a number unless it's very explicitly stated that you are getting bray wyatt on this date at this time to let people tune in but for for one week it certainly like drove people to that specific um quarter yeah, I mean, I suppose this sort of data will let us, you know, believe that last week's apparition, like, really points to nothing else but the Bray Wyatt thing. But I'm still just kind of even surprised at that, you know, the fact that. Or it was the Braun Otis, the Braun and Otis match <laughs> that, you know, he's not getting enough True. credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I I think this is a very smart audience, you know, first of all, for being able to um, <laughs> decipher these codes to know that, hey, 923 on 923, I should probably watch the show. Um, I, I also think that they're very aware, aware of how professional wrestling presents itself and that when there are teases to take seriously and teases that you don't need to take seriously. Do you think that Saturday is a tease people are going to learn to take seriously? I will answer that question after you decode tonight's uh, uh, QR codes because gotcha. I, I don't know what tonight's codes meant and if if that once you learn the predator language Saturday, you will give me an answer, dude. I I've skimmed through this and I have deferred to way to explain all of this. Okay. Rampage on Friday did a four hundred seventy two thousand viewers and a point one six in eighteen to forty nine. So compared to both hours of Grand Slam last week, they were down ten percent in viewers, six percent in eighteen to forty nine. But like SmackDown, also taking a drop 30% among 18 to 34. 18 to 34s, they had a lot other pressing issues on Friday night than watching uh, three hours of professional wrestling. Uh, But they were ninth on cable for the night behind the two college football games and a soccer game um, that aired actually before they went live on the air. So I... I would honestly state that this was actually a number that it was not all that different from two weeks ago, which is maybe a fairer comparison. But when I saw this lineup on... Just looking at the spoilers, I thought like this lineup, this is not an enticing card uh, on paper with like Roosh and John Silver. You did have a tag title defense, but it was at least in line with uh, Rampage numbers, but a come down from Grand Slam, which was expected. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I don't necessarily know if it was a card booked to, you know, garner a big rating to match what Grand Slam offered. I mean, the acclaimed are draw, but they were hardly in a match that I think was heavily promoted, nor like did anybody have any, I don't know, feeling that either of those other teams had a chance of winning. Um, it, it was a pretty by the numbers rampage and what looked to be a pretty by the numbers rating. If you can just lead this graphic up way. And if you were to break this down, this photo with the rule of, uh, uh, the rule of thirds, what would you grade this poster? <laughs> if I put it together, would you tell me it's too busy, John? What would your notes be? What would your words of encouragement be? I mean, I guess, I think it depends on the purpose, you know, like they have various versions and this is the type of version that I think you want, you want to convey every single element of the show. This is on. too much to me. It's like, you're trying to give importance to everything. It's, it's so much is coming at me at this. It's overwhelming. But I will not say, a good way. yeah, I will say William Morris, W. Morrissey and maybe Billy Gunn don't necessarily need to be on, but I mean, it's the type of thing that, you know, you, you give t- or you show a, a person if they want to know exactly what's on the show, um, who exactly is going to appear. So if you saw the grand slam poster from the, the week before, this is nothing. So I mean, like yeah. if you're on the show, they're getting you on the image. So it's, yeah. uh, some some busy graphics in the in the AW department. Uh, so, for Canadian fans, um, my favorite my favorite thing to tweet about is uh, Rampage and, and TSN, and then I get responses from people who assume I control what TSN airs, <laughs> and they get so upset with me. So this is what's happening on TSN schedule this week. Uh, they do have uh, Rampage and Battle of the Belts airing like normal Friday night for on the website and streaming on TSN direct. They are also listing battle of the belts to air Saturday night at 11 on TSN five. But then the following Friday, they will be streaming the rampage that is in Toronto in the normal time slot. And then at 11 PM Eastern time. So on a one hour delay, it will air on TSN two. And I have people asking, does this mean Rampage is permanently airing on Friday nights? TSN told me that it's just a one-off on October 14th for the Canadian uh, episode of Rampage. So this is not a sign of things to come uh, unless they you know, make a change. But as of now, it's just a one-off on October 14th. So if you stream the show, it's going to air like normal at 10 Eastern that night. But it's on TV, but on an hour delay on that Friday night at 11. So it's kind of useless for... People like you and I, yes, who have, right, yeah. Um, I don't know. Some people, I mean, it's it, it's good for AEW, I suppose, to um, for people who don't usually watch Rampage to flip through the channels and see. Oh, I thought this was a Wednesday show. It's on Fridays as well. Uh, what is it? What more can I see? Uh, what where else can I see this? But I I don't even know why. You know, like, is there that much of a clamoring for this Canadian edition of Rampage that like you know they needed to move things to broadcast it an hour later at 11 it makes no difference to me when it comes to the actual ticket sales like dynamite went right away they they you know put all their all the tickets they put on sale were 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 gone and wrestletix has that number at just under 7000 um AEW had told me it was scaled for 8000 but wrestletix very reliable with like their numbers and such but regardless of the number the second night uh rampage they still have tickets remaining. And do you think part of that is one night is enough? Or do you feel that with Rampage, it's, okay, it's a one-hour program. What else am I getting? And is it going to be of substance to go for an hour? And you assume that the rest is going to be, you know, inconsequential matches or just 
too much of a crapshoot that if I don't have dynamite tickets, I'm not going to rampage. I think it's very much both of those things. You know, it's, I mean, a night out for a lot of people is gets, gets to be expensive, especially if you're coming from out of town for, for instance, perhaps um, it's a weekday, you know, dynamite is the flagship. And once you've got an experience with the flagship, how can that be? Um, how can, how can the, the B show, which has been firmly established at, at this point, how can that exceed the first night? So um, it's it's because, you know, Rampage at this point, I think, is very clearly, you know, been the other, the supplement, you know, the the non-essential show. Um, I think it'll help if they on that Friday before they announce like some big match for Rampage. Absolutely. And it'll also be interesting what kind of media attention they get that week to kind of push last minute ticket sales and get kind of that that run up um that that we see mm-hmm. sometimes with with AW kind of that that last minute push because you know you're getting Danielson and Jericho on the first night but that's the sold out show so it's going to be night 2 that we will see uh, how much spotlight they put on that uh quickly for this week NXT is back Tuesday night it's uh they're back to a live format after 2 weeks of taped shows uh with Von Wagner against Andre Chase the winner will be added to the ladder match at Halloween Havoc. Toxic Attraction against Elba Fire, Zoe Stark, and Nikita Lyons. Pretty Deadly will deliver a State of the Commonwealth address. The Grayson Waller effect with guests Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade. And the Brawling Brutes will appear on the show. Seamus, Pete Dunne, Slash Butch, and Ridge Holland. Who I'm sure we'll come back to a hero's welcome at the Capitol Wrestling Center. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be so. These are these are um, ta- non. These are the new new ones. Yes, this is this is a live show on Tuesday night. So, yeah, um, yeah we will see if they have made any alterations to the building yeah. as well. Like last year, they came back after that break, and you know it was all reconfigured and such. Two point oh. Yeah, I want to see if they have a new set. Are we getting a full black and gold, or is it still this sort of rainbow with a little bit of black and gold? Dynamite on Wednesday night, they have added several matches. So I think we're up to seven matches for the three-year anniversary card on Wednesday. Jericho and Sammy Guevara against Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. Wardlow defending the TNT title against Brian Cage. Hangman Page versus Roosh. A six-woman tag as Tony Storm teams with Athena and Willow Nightingale against Jamie Hayter, Serena Deeb, and Penelope Ford. MJF versus Wheeler Yuta. Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen. Luchasaurus will be in action. And National Scissoring Day with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn, which this will be a very busy image. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you show scissoring on... On an image um, that you can share. That's 23 people accounted for in what I just listed. Well, that's a pretty typical edition of AW. Billy Gunn, they can promote the only cable program to feature Billy Gunn over the next week. Okay. There it is. They made it very clear on Raw tonight. You'll get Road Dog. You'll get Sean Waltman. Billy Gunn. I I think they – I'm sure that they're going to just have fun and recognize – I'm sure oh, they yeah. will allude, if not outright, refer to Billy Gunn. Maybe of they'll course. have someone play Billy Gunn. Maybe they'll come up with Bart Gunn. That would be different, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's keep moving. Uh, Royal Quest 2 took place over the weekend. Uh, they're not up on New Japan World yet. Um, so I imagine most people listening to this, unless they attended live, have not got to see these shows. Um, sh- sh- should we mention results or just uh, overall thoughts? I mean, spoiler alert, everybody. If you're going to spoiler plan, alert, plan on, uh, holding off on knowing about the results to uh, Royal Quest for, uh, I don't know, like how long? How, when, when is this going to be up? 
October is what they said. Okay, if you're going to wait, then sure, wait. But otherwise, uh, let's talk about it. Well, I'm just going to talk about the main events. The first night, uh, everyone was raving about the tag match between FTR and Aussie Open um, that FTR won. And afterward, uh, Will Ospreay called this the greatest tag match he had ever seen. And Dax Harwood tweeted that it might have been their best tag match ever, um, which which covers some ground just this year alone. So um, it went 32 minutes and... You know, if if you are going to seek out a show, this is the kind of response you want to hear coming out yeah. of a card. Because, you know, by this point, way we are 48 hours removed from this first night. And, you know, just look at this week of how much stuff is coming up. It, it just goes by so quickly. Um, and we will see whenever they, they get these up. But it sounds like it was a hell of a main event on the first night. And then night two saw Tetsuya Naito beating Zack Sabre Jr. So that sets up a rematch between Osprey and Naito, which I thought was... an. I thought it was among the best matches of the entire G1. So only a quick, this is where it gets confusing. Like if they're going to do Osprey and Naito next Monday at the sumo hall show, Mm -hmm. um, and this hasn't even aired yet. Um, that's, that's where it gets kind of all all over the place. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, nonlinear storytelling, John, you know, it's kind of like memento. You get the result of the last, maybe they'll play the match backwards. Okay. okay? And then we'll get, just get, we'll we'll have, we'll wake up with tattoos and have to go backwards. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's a different trying something different. But no, you're absolutely right. You know, for a show that um, we're people are gonna have to wait to see. It better be you better be promising something that's worth people's uh, while to to wait. And I don't know exactly uh, what a basis of a comparison is for Will Osprey's star scale, but <laughs> I, I have to imagine a five star rating from Will Osprey means quite a bit. So even even if there is a bit of bias with his uh, stable mates in there. And the last note here is that over the weekend, it was announced, uh, we already knew that Ricky Steamboat is coming out of retirement, and he's going to have a six-man tag on November 27th for big-time wrestling in Raleigh, North Carolina, teaming with the aforementioned FTR to take on Jay Lethal, who I guess is just doing the uh, coming-out-of-retirement circuit, teaming with Brock Anderson and a mystery partner with Arn Anderson in their corner. So right. uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, his last match, it actually wasn't the, the Jericho matches in 2009. He did do a tag match with his son, who at one time was you know a promising mm-hmm. prospect in FCW, uh, but since uh, left the industry in 2010. And then if you recall, um, R- Ricky Steamboat had that like brain aneurysm that year. So um, he's coming out of retirement and, you know, he, he is one where, I mean, he is just he is held in such high regard by people for his. Um, for his skill set, and this will obviously be um, a tough match to do. But you know, it's it's in the kind of environment where uh, he does not have to do the heavy lifting, to be sure. Let the speculation begin. Who is this mystery partner for the other side? So obviously, okay, let's go through it. Jay Lee, I mean, you know, Brock, Brock Anderson uh, with Arn Anderson. You uh, you have Jay Lethal, I suppose. Well, he's he's in his black machismo getup here, but I. I mean, we, we we could be seeing him playing like some sort of surrogate role for Flair. Who's the mystery man? Um, or well, woman? It could, it could, could be, a woman be a Blanchard. Jeez, um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to look at the the cutout here. Like, who who could it be? <laughs> Looks like it's Bob Holly. <laughs> yeah, you think Bob Holly's coming out of retirement is there anybody else coming out of retirement john that this could be 
I don't know. I, I don't know how far we're pushing this. We're a 69-year-old here, and Ricky Steamboat is, is coming out of re- retirement. I don't know. It's uh, the, the, the Ric Flair one was one where I, 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 I was you know not as concerned going into that match, but then when I watched the match – it was yeah. it was extremely alarming, and mm-hmm. I, ju- I just hope this is one is done in a, uh, so, a safe manner. So it says here the group is built being built as Arn Anderson's four horsewomen. Okay, but it says Black Jay Lethal as Black Machismo. Now I don't I don't know why he would play Black Machismo if he's going to be a horseman. Um, Brock and then a mystery partner. So it's got to be somebody related um, or somebody horseman like. Uh, okay. Well, there's, it's a small list of uh, horsemen that would be available to do such a match or but second Paul, generation. Paul like, Roma. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Um, could it be Brian Pillman jr? It could be anyone. Yeah. I, I don't know if Brian Pillman jr is a mystery opponent type. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know either, but you know, you need some intrigue, right? So yeah, take your guess. There you have it. You have some intrigue. Oh, Brian says in the chat room, because Steamboat feuded with Savage. Yeah, that makes sense. Perfect. Maybe they'll do some of those spots. That would yeah, be yeah, fun. Of, yeah, I think that oh, was the, be cool. the idea. Yeah. But he's not a horseman, okay? He is for that night. All right, cool. All of your news can be found up at postwrestling.com. We will now move over to Raw from, where were they? At the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota on Monday night. And we started off with the Judgment Day coming out, and they were promoting Daniel Cormier with the news broken by Ariel Helwani, getting multiple mentions on this show for breaking this news. And Balor cuts a promo that he is going to prove to Edge he doesn't belong anywhere near a ring and will force him to quit. The crowd starts chanting, who's your daddy? And I imagine both Chingo Takagi and El Fantasmo were both just so (laughs) jealous, hoping, hoping that they can get such a reaction uh, next week. And Dominic says, I'll tell you exactly who my daddy is, and it's not Rey Mysterio. And then the words I never thought I would hear, just uh, poison to my ears. Jefe, I hate you. You lied to me my entire life. I have a new family now, thanks to the Judgment Day. Would you ever say such a thing to your Jefe, Way? Um, even uh, under uh, performance. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think I could ever say such mean words. You know, I'm also 38 years old, so I don't really talk like a teenager. Balor then warns AJ. He offered him an olive branch. Don't make me do bad things. And then Styles and Ray come out and they charge the ring. And they made note that Edge is off doing promotion in Philadelphia and therefore is not at Raw tonight. Hey. And we joke, but I, I love Dominic's spot here. I mean, I don't know if I'm watching it based on, like, you know, in an ironic way. Or, I don't think I am. I truly think I am enjoying this story, and I'm enjoying Dominic's role here. I thought he did a good job here countering the who's your daddy chance. He, I, he prepped and had some, a great comeback for it. I hate you, dad. You know, it's such a... <laughs> It's it's such a rebellious teen line. So I think the suggestion is still very much there that like this is a little boy playing a grown up, which is great. Yeah, I mean he's got to also navigate the the little boy playing a pro wrestler at the, at the same time, and because I think that is a a hurdle for for some fans to see him in in, in a serious role, but I. I think so far, like he has, he has adapted well into the group, and 
you you do have the match at, at the at the end of this whole thing to to build to. And from there, it will be, you know, once he is eventually detached from from Ray, like that is where you're not going to necessarily have the safety net. But I don't think you can knock Dominic's uh, performances so far since the turn and, and what it's done for him. Like he had he had gotten very stale in the role as, you know, the son teaming with, with dad that they had done about as much as you could over two years. Agreed. Yeah. And he's helped to, like he's given Judgment Day and Rhea, you know, uh, uh, in particular, um, I think a lot of more interest. Um, so Dominic at this point is 25. Do you know how old Rey Mysterio was during the Great American Bash 1996? Oh, he would have been he would have been younger than 25. He was 21, dude. Wow. He made his WCW debut in tw- when he turned 21. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Didn't cut any promos on his jefe, though, in 1996. But we will talk about that more on Tuesday night. Ray and AJ versus Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Ray goes for a springboard reverse cross body and misses Damian Priest. And Corey says how Ray is not functioning properly. When do you ever see him miss that? And I can tell you, uh, whenever I had ever had arguments with my dad, my reverse cross game was always a little off kilter as well. This can really affect uh, the the father son dynamic when you're going for those reverse cross bodies that you used to hit like like nothing. It's the first thing to go usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to drop those grudges. Yeah. Uh, Balor does the three amigos deal, and so we get the heat on Ray. Then they tag AJ. They get the heat on AJ through the commercial break, and then uh, AJ fights back. Ray approaches Ripley on the floor, and Dominic goes onto his knees, daring Daddy Hefe to hit him. And Ray instead gets dropped with a Rhea Ripley clothesline, and AJ is left in the ring, no help from Ray, and he is hit with the coup de grace in 11:02 by Finn Balor. Ray comes to check on AJ, who argues with him. Ray, just the ultimate nice guy, apologizes. You're damn right. It's your fault. And he shoves down Ray. And then the Judgment Day jumps AJ. So Ray's life is a mess. That's the conclusion at the end of this match. Yeah, I thought they were all building to, you know, uh, like a like a real more kind of significant uh, Ray, AJ, Edge team up. And they could still be doing that. But we're at least seeing some tension here with just, yeah, Ray Mysterio kind of being portrayed as like, woe is me. Everything in my life is going wrong. Everybody in my life is turning on me type of thing, which can be interesting. Yeah. Um, so this whole thing has to end with Ray decking Dominic, doesn't it? Right. And, and, and that moment that they're building up to when, you know, Dominic is goading Ray to beat him and Ray finally does something. Um, that's going to be a huge reaction. A man beating his son. The 619 to his son. Wow. Mm. What does he say? Can't come back from that. No, no, no. That's uh, plenty of relationships are ruined via six one nine. Yeah, I, I think the next, the next chapter is Dominic unmasking his father, taking the mask for himself. Really? You think they'll ever do that? Unmask Ray on WWE because it's to me so like not that significant. You know, we all know what. No, it but like. I, I think it'll be treated as such. Um, you know, within the body of the program, I, I think if you build it up well, it'll still be. You know, it's mm. not not the hardest face to find uh, of of Rey Mysterio. Bobby Lashley arrives earlier in the day and pretty much asked by Kevin Patrick, "You're doing great as champion." Yep, but I'm not going to become complacent. <laughs> it's the man that makes the title, and I want to face someone with as much hustle as me. So Mustafa Ali hustles his way in and he goads Lashley into a match, demanding it. 
uh, but doesn't get a title match out of it. It's a non-title match that they have later. So. Well, come on. You can't just hand them out like nothing. You, you could. You do hand out title shots at, at will, but not enough here from Mustafa Ali. Sami Zayn and Jimmy Uso are joking around. Solo Sokoa just standing by, and then in comes Jay, and he's pissed. He says, we're here for business, and they walk up to the Street Profits and alert them that next week Roman Reigns and the Bloodline are going to be on Raw. They're like, cool. We, we're on SmackDown and Raw every week. We see them plenty. And we reveal that Montez Ford is in a walking boot. And Sokoa then challenges Angela Dawkins for a match later tonight that I totally forgot about until we got to the third hour. And I was like, what do they have left for the remaining 45 minutes of this show? Uh, yeah. yeah uh, plenty of wrestling on this show, as always. I mean, they, first of all, they announced six matches. Like, well, actually, you know, five matches, one contract signing in this thing. And then they kept adding more. So, yeah, a lot of wrestling on this show. Um, yeah, no, no fine trash talk between all these guys. Lashley took on Mustafa Ali. Uh, the big spot was Mustafa Ali hitting a 450 splash onto Bobby Lashley's left arm that they feared was broken. I was waiting mm. for uh, Aaron Pico's corner to come try and fix Bobby Lashley's arm. Did you see this clip over the weekend? No. So Aaron Pico, in the first round, he dislocates his shoulder. And they're, they're concerned that he might have broken his clavicle. So he goes to his corner and is pretty much like, get my arm back into place. And oh. dude, his corner takes his arm and they are just pulling, oh. pulling at this arm so hard. It was Terrible. so uncomfortable to watch. They would not allow the fight to continue. After oh. this. So it ends. But it, you have to watch this video. I linked to it in my update today. You can okay. find the link. So they it, attempted. How long did they try to to? You know, go go to my update and 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 find the link. It's it's oh, near goodness. the bottom in the MMA section on on the Bellator paragraph, and I link to the video. You need to watch this in real time. Like this, uh, this is why I I always say, God, these shows go so long, and it's always my fault. Oh, we're going three hours at this point, I'm sure, but that's okay. No, but like, okay, do, describe the context for me. So this guy fights, dislocates his arm, goes back to his corner, is like, you got to put this back. You know, like he, seen- he essentially was, you know. Leaving it to his corner, who are not necessarily, I, I would imagine, um, ha- have their degrees in in <sighs> medical health for yeah. this kind of procedure to be done mid-fight. I but mean, they, I'm sure, I'm sure he's, you know, in his mind, it it, it played like a very heroic moment. I don't want to get uh, uh, flagged on YouTube, so I'll okay. just watch this by myself. Okay. Holy shit! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! What the? Fuck? Oh, this is. Do you know Terrible. how painful a separated shoulder is? Like, this Wait. guy's got to be on pure adrenaline at this point to not just be wincing. Oh, my God. And he's checking it to see that it's, oh, man, this should, yeah, this should not be allowed. This was a good call. And <laughs> What the fuck? He's going to get knocked out just from this guy putting his shoulder in. Oh, this is. So then the, the ref just stepped in. And they was they like, just, is, I think they asked him to put his arm above his head and he couldn't. And they're like, oh, this is, yeah. oh. okay, that's gross. This is the greatest promotion for my news update. <laughs> Thank you, John. So my point being, Bobby Lashley had a much better recovery process than Aaron Pico did, because by the end of this match, like me, he was using the arm for the hurt lock and, you know, throwing him off his shoulders. He sold the arm for a bit. Um, Ali mounts a comeback, but then he's tossed into the timekeeper's area after being run into the post, beats the count at nine, spear and hurt lock, and Ali goes out in 1129. Right. Yes. Now, um, even though, you know, Lashley won pretty emphatically, I mean, I I thought this was a match very much designed to 
get people to pay attention to Mustafa Ali again. The man has a, a new tights, you know, shiny new flash, uh, kind of like pleathery Chicago style tights. And the man's got a new look. He's got braids, like some cornrows in there. So, um, he's looking good. Uh, and then he had a match where he essentially had to, you know, step up to the unbeatable, um, champion and, and, had him like at least you know thinking that his arm might have needed popping back in for a, a brief second, and they had Ali you know um, refuse to tap to the hurt lock. Yeah, they did mention um, he went out instead of uh, tapping. So yeah, so I, I I get the sense that this is an actual I would hope uh, push for Mustafa Ali at this point. Um, they made Lashley look dominant. I mean, it's you know Ali is always going to be an underdog, but can they get people to care now? After so much, so many different attempts, so many, so many false starts. I don't. Know. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, he's a really talented guy, but you have had a lot of start and stops with with, with this guy. You know, remember mm-hmm. that Miz feud when they brought him back, and it was the idea that oh, we're going to get serious about Ali, and you realize within several weeks this is just the latest. I, I will say, you know, people that can promo, I think, will always like have a big advantage. I mean, if you're big, you have a big advantage. But if you're small, but if you could talk, I, I think there's always at least, uh, you know, you can always talk yourself back into people's interest. He's got to um, he's got to rehook up with that editor of his and go go do some promos at night outside, like he was doing for a while. That wouldn't be a terrible idea at all. Yeah, That's absolutely, great. a series of vignettes. But you know, the, the backstage segment I saw him though with Lashley tonight, I didn't I didn't think that was really it. That felt like you know your typical WWE. Scripted thing. Well, as Lashley is celebrating, Seth Rollins jumps Lashley and lays him out with the stomp. And this is going to set up a U.S. title match for next week. So yeah. title matches are kind of easy to come by. You just have to have the right mode of attack. So if Ali had make- just, he had just attacked him from behind, he would have had a better shot. You got to make the guy really angry. So. Back from break, Rollins is alone in the ring and said he cleared the ring of Bobby Trashley. Second hour, language is a little restrained. This is this is the dichotomy we get from uh, AEW who can no longer say shit and WWE who will call a man Bobby Trashley. We got a video of the fight pit coming mm-hmm. to the main roster. This is our latest NXT call-up. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got plenty listen. of Timothy Thatcher in this uh video of the one and only fight pit match hey man you built this thing you built the the graphics for this sort of blueprint stuff you know you got to make use of they it had a right? sketch sketch yeah the blueprint yeah um what have your what are your thoughts on the fight pit matches that have occurred so far i mean there's only been the one right i thought there have been, been two maybe i'm forgetting one um like thatcher riddle and then that's the only one i remember riddle somebody else did him and damian priest do one uh, Chant Thatcher and Champa, Thatcher and Champa. That's right. That's right. They did that yeah. one as well. Okay, so they've done two. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea. It's it was something different. Um, yeah, it's it it's certainly going to be um interesting to see how like the setup is done in the arena uh th- th- this weekend and how Cormier gets over as well. Cause there's a lot you have to do, like incorporating Cormier into the story of the match as well. And mm-hmm. how the audience takes to it as well. Like being, you know, how close they're, they're like working submissions. Yeah. I will say I'm, I'm most interested to see Jimmy Smith kind of in his element Me too. For, to call this type of match. Like he should mm-hmm. be the one leaned on for, for this match. It's his specialty and c- could really enhance the match for the viewer at home. Agreed. Yeah. 
So Matt Riddle comes out and Rollins jokes he's got no scooter and Rollins has never been in a fight pit match and they have a no contact clause where if Riddle touches Rollins, the match is off on Saturday. So Riddle says, I'm not going to just hurt you on Saturday. I'm going to kill you. And then, like any person who threatens death, he then said, I am going to have the crowd singing, bro, in the style of Seth's theme. Yeah. Thank you for doing that so I didn't have to. Um, Any – the the exact follow-up you ever want after promising murder on a man. Not only that, they're going to hum your theme with my catchphrase. So Rollin says that Daniel Cormier is a fan of mine. And asks if Riddle sings his kids to sleep at night, but then remembers that Riddle can't see his kids anymore. And Man, so- that's 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 that as a comeback to a guy saying he's gonna people are gonna sing your theme in, by saying bro like that. That's just that's taking it very far. Very. Quickly. I went. I thought they went so far here because then he's got yeah. the follow up. He's like, "You're gonna need all the cash you can get because I understand child support is expensive." So Riddle is like. <laughs> Dude, when was the last time you won a title? And the crowd's like, ooh, like, oh, oh my God. When was the last time you <laughs> held a title? Jesus, that's the comeback to child support. <laughs> and then says, when have you headlined WrestleMania? Oh, yeah, you haven't, but your wife has. Oh, <laughs> you're second to Roman Reigns. You're second to your wife. And on Saturday, you'll be second to me. Oh, I couldn't imagine these were real responses from a real crowd that breathed and ate and slept like normal humans. So then, uh, sensing this argument, Daniel Cormier uh, joins us by satellite. Like he just knew to go live at this moment on the screen. Looked like FaceTime. Yeah, and he was ready. Guys, guys. And he did a very good promo here. He respects Riddle and mentions, you know, he's part of the fraternity. Being in the UFC, and uh, Riddle would say, "I don't know if Dana's got me in in, in that fraternity. I don't know about that yeah. one." Yeah, I don't and, know. If, uh, yeah. yeah, and Seth, he says, "I attended WrestleMania, and there might be a video of me celebrating your title win." And I'll see you guys this Saturday at Philadelphia. And um, this was Daniel Cormier cutting as serious a promo as his image looks on the graphic for this this match. I mean, serious, yeah, yeah. I'm. I have to mention this is a big deal for Cormier. You know, getting a proper role, appearing on Raw, a show that he probably he, he's never been on a WWE show, has he? I like not in a like an actual role. Like maybe he's been like, seen in the crowd, in the but fan, not not, yeah, as not a, fan, a featured yeah. position. Yeah, to, to my talk knowledge, or do anything. He did exactly. show up once on a TNA show way way back before yes. the, uh, the 2004 Olympics with uh, King Mo. That is correct. Yeah. So I imagine this was, you know, maybe something he might have practiced and uh, a whole lot, maybe did a couple takes of. And I thought he came across as somebody who like was almost like delivering a promo in the way that like an analyst might um, presenting, I don't know, a video package, perhaps. And it was perfectly fine. It's this, like this guy. Look at him. He is calling this down the middle. Sure. Absolutely. It was he, it's exactly what is uh, like, I think, demanded of a man in his role. And yeah. he's very good on camera. Like he he, he got this out fine. So, yeah, I thought it was totally cool. This whole segment Kid told you everything you needed to know about the fight pit and who Cormier was. I would love to hear this guy do commentary for a match. That's I th- a great I idea. I think he'd be really good on it. Like, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear it's, it, it. It will be interesting. Like if they do anything beyond this, 
uh, th- this weekend uh, mm-hmm. with Daniel Cormier. Like it is interesting because, you know, he is very much affiliated with, with ESPN uh, mm-hmm. a- as well. But I mean, for, for that, I, I think it's good for UFC too to have, to have him. How long there. before Cormier pulls off a Canadian destroyer? Like every single celebrity seems to, when they step into a wrestling ring. Oh, the, uh, the Cormier destroyer. Um, yeah. It could be, he could be working on it as we speak at AJ. Yeah. Bel Air, Oscar, and Bliss wish Candice LeRae luck as the screen wavers and we see our first of two that I'm aware of QR codes on this show. Way, I pass it over to you. Oh, geez. I didn't even see the second one. I, I, I imagine it, it, it all is the same thing because if it's the second one, I, 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 had, I don't when have the When they time. signed the contract and they pulled up the little uh, folder, there was a QR code on the, on the folder that they put the contract ah, in. Ah, there you go. Okay, so today's... I would imagine it it was the same thing, but um, I'm actually just gonna maybe bring it up here right now, um, because there's a lot of stuff in this particular one for this one. Um, there's so last time when we left off, I mean, I thought I got everything. I didn't even get everything last time, John. You know, on Friday, um, turns out like there's an image where you can grab it and. There's a phone number attached to the image, and and then if you call it, remember how I was joking that like you could oh maybe we'll play backwards stuff now. You know, have people try playing play like you know reading thing playing things backwards. Turns out there's an audio message from this phone number that somebody were to call if they downloaded this file, and then you have to play the song the 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 file backwards in order to spell out. Um, uh, what is it like? Uh, you know, army code, um, like <laughs> things. And um, anyway, so that was one other thing, and it led to uh, a quote from Dante's Inferno, which we'll we'll kind of get referenced. But today, we got a code uh, flashed up on screen, and it took you to a www.com website, of course, featuring a painting of Samson and Delilah. Now, who are Samson and Delilah? Uh, this comes to us via Google. Delilah, in the Old Testament, the central figure of Samson's last love story, she was a Philistine who bribed to entrap Samson. This is, of course, Samson with the hair. Uh, coaxed right. him into revealing that the secret of his strength was his, lo- his long hair, whereupon she took advantage of his confidence to betray him to his enemies. So um, the person who was responsible for getting Samson's hair cut. So uh, if you you know hover above this image, you get to see what looks to be a URL. Now, if you just simply type this URL into uh, online, you get nothing. It's a, it's an unknown. And that's because it's only half of a URL. Um, the second half of this URL, somebody needs to download on their phone and somehow credit to it's wrestle world on Twitter, who says, when you download the image onto your mobile phone, it saves as a second, the second half revealing the second half of the URL. Okay, John. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> Typing the full URL into your browser brings up this image. Now, this image is a continuation of our first image. It is uh, Samson destroying the temple. He was captured, blinded, and enslaved, enslaved by the Philistines. But in the end, God granted Samson his revenge. Through the return of his old strength, he demolished the great Philistine temple of the god Dagon at Gaza, destroying his captors and himself. Okay, so this is Samson, Samson in a fit of rage, destroying everything, including himself. 
Um, so, so that's all that. But now let's get back to this, okay? Because the URL of this particular image um, itself, I believe, revealed what to be coordinate. Coordinates that when you punch in, take us to the Wells Fargo Center, site of, of course, Extreme Rules Correct. this Saturday. So, um, so that is the first thing. Uh, going back to this image, the second image, of course, with the temple, uh, you see a number down below here, 69012092580022. So a simple Google of that brings to us the barcode of white rabbit candy. This is a Chinese candy. Well, actually, this in this case, it seems to be a milk variation. But, the, but you know, it's a Chinese candy that I actually grew up on uh, oh. called white rabbit candy. And um, I mean, just a bit of a, I, I guess, reference to another thing that's called White Rabbit. So there's that. Uh, further on this site from www.com, scrolling through the black portion of this um, website reveals a number of these sort of uh, coded, you know, letters. And it's up to you, John, to not just decipher it, but to figure out what language it even is. And of course, the Internet was very quick to point out that. <laughs> It's the Yat Ja alphabet from the movie I mean, Predator. I didn't want to spoil it, but I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's like, obvious. Put two and two together, fans. Yeah, it's the Yat Ja alphabet from the movie Predator, of course. Yeah. If, if I can just interject for a second. Yes, please. Yes, please. The idea of, you know, if Bray Wyatt is heavily involved in the creation of this, pitching this idea to a prior regime. And I would imagine, yeah, that sounds great. You're going to be wrestling Braun Strowman underwater. That's where we're going to go with this. I mean, <laughs> could you come up? And you know what? I don't know if I would have been as receptive to someone pitching this concept to me um, that I would have been lost along the way to. I, I have to imagine there was some degree of creative control that he demanded before answering any sort of phone call, you know, like – the guy is not coming back unless he was assured what had happened the last time was how many phone calls before you get to the the yacha language that are you are, are you're introducing like that's not the first pitch phone call that's hey paul just while we're on a roll here how about I, this alternate language i'm of the opinion that like they just give bray and whoever's working with him on these videos the airtime and the web space to just here it is. You do whatever you want with it. I'm willing to bet like somebody like Triple H, I don't even know if he would know that it went this deep. Okay. Um, I think they have that level of, I, I would hope that they have that level of trust. Cause like there's nothing on this show that tells me that the same people responsible for making WWE raw, even right now is making this like, these are the same people that are making the Dexter Loomis Miz story. Okay. Like they're not coming up with the Yelcha predator language to try to spell something okay so back to this uh so when you decode this particular message in yaucha language from predator what do you get uh this comes to us from toxic nova 98 on uh, reddit as many other people have uh, discovered the text translates to before me things created were none save things eternal and eternal i endure i all hope abandoned Ye who enter here by Dante Alighieri from Inferno. So yet another quote from Dante's Inferno, which was uh, the message that people decoded um, or a message from, from Dante people decoded um, more, on more Friday. Black teases. Um, why? It's their finish. Of the move. Oh, okay. Well, they love dark yeah. shit. 
the last thing that people will find, there's more John to this, because the last thing people will find when they scroll down from today's teaser is that, that's their goal. Let's kill the third hour. Let's just send as many people off to do homework uh, by the end of hour two. Catching up on the rest of the show was a challenge. They, I don't know how you did to be this. a challenge. It's very difficult. Anyway, scrolling down further reveals this, John. Do you know what this is? I see a sailboat, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Yes. It is a magic eye puzzle. Okay. Um, there are people alive right now who have no idea, who have never been through the phenomenon. These, are, these were all the rage. No, not known as magic eyes. I was people, never good at these. I just, I, I always had the lie be, yeah, I see that. Of course, it's a bicycle. And that's what we're all doing today because somehow, some way, people were able to decipher this out of that, John. What the f- MTA4MJI equals. Okay. Is this the, is this the Yacha, Yacha language? This is something else. This is, oh, uh, a, different language? This is a IW. Different code? Yeah. Internet smart mark. Uh, what about the Morse language? code from a few weeks ago? Uh, we, we, we no saw Morse that. code. Okay. No Morse code today. Anyway, so if people doing the magic guy were able to identify MTA4MJI equals, uh, people who know the base 64 coding language know that this is part of that so what happens when you decode mta4 mji equal sign into base 64 format you get the number 10822 which of course is can be interpreted as october 8th 2022 the date of extreme rules it could be could be. Well, what what else could it be, John? What what do you think? What, what well, you well, uh, Ecclesiastes would say that uh, that particular <laughs> Ecclesiastes. Number, uh, if you reverse them all, uh, probably equals um, in letter form uh-huh. uh, could probably spell out something that uh, if you do backwards in a mirror, uh-huh. would probably give away the answer. I will yeah. just say that at the end of all of this, if you don't think WWE is tracking all of your information, I mean, you're just. <laughs> crazy yeah. because they they've they got everything. you by the balls yeah yeah they know they know my my blood type they know everything uh, a couple more things here before I, I get out of here because i know people will comment on it uh but the um the there's the the, the url itself i believe was in, is in binary today uh, from the qr code and the binary translates to gacy g-a-c-y and that of course could be a reference to nxt's joe gacy or i think more likely um john wayne gacy uh, just, just a bit of a maybe a way to throw us off here, and then of course we have to look into the source code as we always do now with these Bray Wyatt things. Efficient four six nine six. At the time of uh, us doing this, I have not seen an there, answer. This is the only way that we're going to use the word efficient for the, these codes. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, efficient four six nine six. That's one I don't. I don't think the internet has cracked yet. So uh, by the time maybe you're listening to this, maybe that answer's out there. But leave a comment below and let us know if you know it way bravo that was fantastic <laughs> i mean listen I, I i think this is coming to a head on saturday i have i to. think it needs to i think i think we've gone as deep as we could uh that was way's explanation thank god because my recap was qr code appears on the screen <laughs> <laughs> ultimately what we're doing is just you know uh, drink more oval drink your oval team this is this is we're deciphering a commercial for the next thing and i i have a feeling i don't know if it, it, it continues that much further beyond let's let's say let's say saturday is the reveal this comes to a head it's probably the time to do it 
what do you learn from the, this buildup and what can be applied for the future? Like, do you, do you think that largely this has been successful? It, it certainly pulled a number last Friday. I, I think you have to give this credit for that, that one number. Uh, but in terms, mm-hmm. like, is this, is this too deep or do you feel that just this, this is working for a small audience that it's cool if they're following it and people can through Reddit and Twitter fi- figure it and piece it along to something of this particular level is catering, I would say, to a very small audience, or at least a small enough audience that would care to do all jump through all these hoops. However, it tells me that the average, I think, um, willingness to look deeper into what's in your wrestling content, that capacity is way bigger than I think any wrestling producer has thought. So anybody afraid of adding subtlety or I don't know, um, information calling back to things longer that have existed longer than six months time in your history. You throw all that out the window because there's this big, like your audience is smart. They're as smart as, or at least like, you know, they're as interested and, and as willing to do the work as people that study frame by frame all these Marvel things or, or, or any other, you know, Easter egg hunting type of device. So it tells me that like, I think Triple H, I know to me, Triple H probably isn't responsible for these particular videos. He might have a hand in, in it, but I also feel like these are the types of, this is the type of online, online sort of viral marketing that I think he's very much interested in doing. It's, it's stuff that you're, it is catering to a younger audience. Um, it's generating great online buzz. And just not even this, but like the stuff, you know, like playing Jefferson airplane, you know, at a house show to an empty arena, things like that. I mean, all that stuff I think has been wonderful and it's been fun. I wouldn't put this much time into it if, if it wasn't fun, even though it's a commercial. Yeah. And I, I would say this isn't going to be for everyone, but at the same time, I don't feel it's like isolating people either. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to dig into all of this, but if this leads to a big return on Saturday, you can get into it just on that level of a character returning and then the the stories begin with his return. This mm. is almost like a bonus. You don't have to dig into this. If you do though, there's there's something there for you. I would really I mentioned this last week. I would really love if at the end of all of this there's some kind of like YouTube video that sort of ties a lot of the clues together like it it you see it in its totality that it rewards the people that went to all these lengths and maybe missed some things along the way that there was some coherent narrative to this entire, all these clues. They weren't just random, like, you know, going on a scavenger hunt, but there is some connection to it that all ties in. Yeah. It demands like incredible involvement from people like us, John, who, who like do this for a living. And so often I think wrestling has become so predictable in its creation in its it, like we're talking we're going to be talking about four distraction finishes in a row coming up john so let us have this little moment where that you know at least challenges us a bit to learn about the yelcha language or like it, it's a know, lesson Morse that you code. can certainly go further with things like this this is yeah. the extreme side of things mm-hmm. but we're also coming from a place where we're not going to reference something that happened two months ago on TV because the the yeah. idea that fans don't remember that there is a, there is some a, a happy medium that you can certainly go go a lot deeper and and you have your your fans that will dig that kind of thing and others that won't but I don't think they're necessarily um, on the outside lost either by not engaging in this type of promotion. Agreed. The Miz is on the phone, and Ciampa has just disappeared, he notes, and nothing is going to ruin his birthday celebration in Brooklyn next week, and Dexter is lingering 
behind the door and Miz never sees him. And then later we just see Miz unconscious backstage with a photo uh, or a drawing from Dexter Loomis. And that's all we had of uh, Dexter on the show. So nothing at Extreme Rules, but it looks like the birthday party next week. Yeah, I don't know how somebody can go from like, you know, doing all of that stuff from the, with the QR code to being remotely interested in this Dexter Loomis Miz thing. Yeah, it's actually Miz's birthday on Saturday at Extreme Rules. 10 okay. 8 22. There you go. Then we had Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai. Uh, Candice LeRae came out uh, to the wrong graphic that read Dakota Kai. <laughs> Match began. There was a reverse cross body by Candice LeRae off the ropes to the floor, so she's not having any issues with her father. Nailed it. Uh, Kai then lands a pump kick, scorpion kick, and then a running boot stops her. Crowd came very much uh, down during this match, but then picked up a little towards the end. Uh, but we had a German to Kai off the turnbuckle. EO gets on the apron and Bailey trips Candace on the rope and Kay gets the roll up in, or sorry, Dakota Kai gets the roll up in 11 minutes and three seconds. Uh, so Johnny wrestling and Candace LeRae, both taking losses on Monday's raw. Uh, yes. Due to, and both due to distractions from the heels. So it's very easy to be distracted as newborn uh, parents. Yeah, you're not getting much sleep. You know, it's <laughs> your faculties are all over the place. You can still hit those reverse cross bodies, but yeah, that's the last thing. That Honestly, all they would, all the heels would really need to do is play the sound of a baby crying through a baby monitor, and I think that'd be enough to you know take a loss. Uh, match team okay. Johnny Gargano finds the Miz. Uh, that's where he's dead. Damage controller in the back. And Bailey explains the importance of having allies. And she's going to come out by herself for the contract signing. But warns Belair that you asked for this. Uh, graphic for Antonio Inoki and then Otis versus Johnny Gargano. And we had an inset promo with Chad Gable showing old NXT house show footage where he was uh, managing Braun Strowman and had Braun's first match with him. Interesting. So we're going back, like we're digging into NXT. This footage. is like 2015. Like we're going back like seven years when Strowman was just starting out because he was very, very raw when they called him up to the main roster. So, so we are not just digging into NXT canon now. We're digging into NXT house show canon. Okay, dude. This company films everything. It's all there at there. It's just a matter of someone finding this stuff. Yeah. Which I'm sure is I'm sure they have a tremendous filing system when it comes to just type it. Chad Gable Braun Strowman. Oh, mm -hmm. NXT House Show, August twenty fifteen. I love it. I love it. It's it's a pretty simple way of visually, you know, telling that there's a bit of history between the two. So we've talked about a lot of wrestlers getting their names back and dropping some of the goofier nicknames. Well, they have given Otis now. He is now the tree trunk Otis. Thoughts? <laughs> They called him this like five times during this match. The, the tree, tree trunk, trunk Otis. Otis, okay. Um, He's not a human tree yet. So that's yeah. that's a positive from the prior regime. He did, This man would come out, you know, as a tree, but he is the tree trunk Otis. <laughs> the tree trunk Otis. Yeah, I don't know if that's a, quite as good as a freaking or a, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's more marketable than Dozovich. Um, he can sell... He can sell little trees, bonsai trees, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see Otis being the, you know, that could be his finisher, the bonsai tree. Ah. Nice. 
So he uses a Canadian backbreaker on Gargano. Gargano lands a, a, a DDT counter and then tornado DDT on the floor. Gable distracts the referee as Theory nails Gargano with the briefcase into a world's strongest slam. Otis wins in 540. And then it's a three on one attack with Braun running down for the big pop shoulder tackling Otis on the way down. Uh, but yes, a another distraction finish. It, it's not that, you know, Johnny Gargano is supposed to beat everybody in that it's we should be protecting his like i don't know win streak or something but i also feel like his first loss in this run at least should be significant and this was about as insignificant as you could get you know distraction finish leading to another match um of which he he's not involved even in the program uh, of at all so yeah i wasn't a big fan of this and no Kevin Owens on the show either so he wasn't with uh Gargano and uh, Braun Strowman on the show uh, we go right into the next match with Braun and Gable and, you know, Gable's wrestling in his in his home state uh, at one point uses a bridging German on Braun Strowman and then slaps Braun, tells him not to embarrass him in his state. And we get a shot, a low angle shot of Omos and MVP watching in the back. Seem seemed to be our, our first like visual connection between the two. Uh, right. Yes. This was after the, like the commentary deal with MVP last week, but this further right. pushing that, um, all I can say is dear Saudi Arabia, Braun and Otis. I mean, that's, that's gotta be where the they do this, would, right? The match would get over there. Certainly. I think it would get over it in plenty of like places in the, in North America as well. It's like they will plan it so that it gets over. All you uh, need is like one guy picking up the other. That's, that's about it. And I, I think like this could be. It will be very interesting what the uh, what the next few months are like for one Omos. But uh, Braun lands a boot, power bomb, and he pins Gable in seven oh eight. Easy win, you know. Seem it's a it's a showcase for for Braun. Yeah. G- Gable looked good in this. I mean, the the bridging mm-hmm. German was rather impressive. To, they to had Otis attack him beforehand to try to you know set Braun up as the underdog, and um, I mean, tells you a lot about I think maybe how good Gable is to be able to convincingly play heel at least temporarily for. Braun Strowman. Yeah, this man screams underdog on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Lashley doesn't want help from the trainer for his arm. <laughs> you saw Brandon that video. Like, yeah. It's like, no, my, my arm's good. Yeah. <laughs> he says he is going to crush Seth Rollins' throat and take away his cackle and then finish him after the fight pit. So Riddle's going to murder him on Sunday. And then 24 hours later, his throat will be crushed. So do Rollins has an extremely busy 48 hour period, uh, this coming weekend. You better rest up. Glad he gets Sunday off. So this will be, uh, next Monday in Brooklyn, Lashley against Seth Rollins. It's, it, it's to me, it, it is a little weird that we're doing like this big, brutal fight pit match on Saturday, and then he's coming back two days later and doing this. But I guess they, they want a big match with Rollins on Monday. We know in the past we would have not had this match even planned a week in advance, John. So I think they're trying to at least, you know, do us the favor of promoting the big match coming up um, the next week. And um, this is the case. So do you think we can get a title change next week or no? maybe maybe Bobby's going to get caught in that Peruvian necktie? Okay. All right. Yes. All the MMA training. Sure. Corey Graves is hosting what he calls a historic contract signing. I was looking for more details on this. It turns out they called this the first ladder match for a women's championship in WWE history. It surprises me. Okay. So we're not counting NXT, right? Mm -hmm. Have we had ladder matches in NXT? 
We've definitely had ladder matches. In La- ladder matches for, for championships. Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, Interesting. Is that so? I, I did not do a thorough research on this. It sounded like uh, a crazy stat. Okay, we've had the scare way to hell, the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. I guess okay. the, the money in the banks don't count as championship matches, I guess. Uh, we've had number one contenders women's ladder matches. But okay. We had that, that, that Becky and Charlotte match with the, uh, was it Becky and Charlotte against the Kabuki Warriors? Or that was with the ladder? Uh, that was with a ladder. You know, I'll take their word for it. Right. Sure. Historical. Yeah. It's historic. It's historic. Uh, uh, not a historic match on Saturday. A historic contract signing. Well, no, I mean, that's the, that's, come on, the main event here. So Bailey explains that it's Bel Air's ego that got her into this. Bailey is thinking big picture. The latter is symbolic for her entire WWE career. Unlike Bel Air, I've had to climb and climb to try to get to the top and she used to be Bianca Belair, complete with the ponytail and sequins and the signs the crowd used to bring, bring Red Bailey. And they had their headbands and ponytails to the side. Then the signs changed and the cheers faded. I mean, I think that's because people got smartphones. No one's bringing signs to TV anymore, are they? Sure they are. You see Braden and Davey at AEW that time? That's true. They gave up on me and stopped caring and her career began to spiral and she had to do something to climb back to the top bel air just cuts her off signs the contract this is where you had the qr code uh on the uh on the folder there the case and bel air says bailey was pretending to be someone she's not that's why it didn't work with the fans bel air is real and authentic and that's why the fans connect with me bailey didn't evolve you just became who you really are and congratulates her on having this grand plan for the past year and they cut to the back where damage control has attacked oscar and bliss and then bailey jumps bel air but bel air fights her off rams her into the apron and we go to the back bel air makes it there and oscar's knee has been placed through a chair and she is screaming as bliss Looks angrily into the camera like she's Ms. Girl and challenges EO Sky for later tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, just getting back to maybe the contract, the historic contract signing itself. Um, I, I thought the retort from Bianca was really strong. You know, I enjoyed the story that both of them told us here, you know, drawing the connections between the two. And, and I guess in some ways, Bailey did used to be the Bianca Belair because she also had a ponytail um, line to one side there. I mean, they're at least making an, an attempt at, you know, drawing some deeper connection between, between the two. And I think there's at least some truth there, but Bianca's retort about how, saying how, you know, you can never compare yourself to me because you're not as good as me, but also because you were pretending to be somebody else. Whereas now you get to be your true self. I love that. I love that little bit of, like, I think, you know, to her at least, babyface logic, heel logic. And then this beatdown, they seem to be setting up an injury for Asuka. Do you think it leads to anything more significant than just somebody working with an injured leg? Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly went out of their way to emphasize this. I mean, she got involved later in the match, so it wasn't Hopping. like they were they were keeping her away from everything. But, um, yeah, I, I mean... I don't know if she's actually working through something or, but, you know, certainly this feels like uh, an angle designed to, you know, she has a knee injury, but not, not to the case where this was done, where this felt like a write-off for Mm -hmm. her disappearing or or something like that. Yeah. I guess I just, in my mind, like, well, she doesn't even have a match, right? No. So she doesn't even have to be there. So they could be at a a person disadvantage. 
And uh, one thing I failed to mention earlier was the QR code landed, I mean, pretty much kind of right on Alexa. Also, Samson and Delilah could very much allude to the relationship that Bray had with Alexa because it was, of course, wasn't it Alexa that like sent Bray off or like betrayed Bray or something. So I'm expecting a big Bray Wyatt spot, um, maybe in the latter match or whatever match Alexa might be getting involved in potentially. Solo Sokoa versus Angelo Dawkins. So Sokoa was in control for a lot of this match, including putting a grip on the dreaded trapezius muscle of Angelo Dawkins. And um, this match was kind of just chugging along for, for a while. And then Sokoa is tackled and gets sent to the floor. And Zane's checking on him. And Jay steps in saying, I've got this. So Zane and Jay start arguing. Jimmy's in between, allowing Dawkins to hit a Topekon hero that Zane gets out of the way and the Usos get hit by. And as Dawkins rolls into the ring, he's hit with a spinning heel kick and the spinning solo as Sokoa wins in 12 minutes and four seconds. Yeah. Um you know, anytime you have a lot of people around the ring, even if one of them happens to be injured, um, you know, a destruction finish is coming. And that's uh, what you continue to have here. I just I, I would prefer if they actually kind of kept, you know, this wonderful Sammy solo Usos thing from not appearing on every single show because it does, definitely takes out some of the freshness from it. And, and you sometimes get segments like this that felt pretty inconsequential. They feel like the main players on SmackDown, and Mm -hmm. they feel like total bit players on Monday. Like this was just Mm -hmm. like a background story that was going on on one of many on Raw. Um, My issue with this match, I I didn't think this was like the the smoothest, but it was like five minutes into this, and I'm thinking like, what is going to? This started at like around ten fifteen, and I'm realizing this third hour is going to be this match and Alexa Bliss against EO Sky for the rest of the third hour and nothing against these four, but for the third hour, like these were impromptu matches put together during the show. Everything that was advertised was done. This felt like a two hour show and we're just going to throw the rest for hour three, knowing that this is our dip down hour and it's just riding out the hour. That's what hour three felt like for me. This was a two hour show and a good two hour show. Yeah. Yeah, having sort of like non-promoted ahead of time matches in the third hour, does that tell you something about maybe the way they're booking, they they booked this particular show versus like what they were doing before in light of increased competition? I This one to me, like they didn't even advertise like we're going to hear from Edge in the third hour. Like that Mm -hmm. to me was the most notable thing in the hour, the third hour, and they didn't even announce that. Like to me, that would have been the most significant thing in the third hour to promote. Like you'll hear from Edge and they didn't do that. Like, I don't know. It just felt like a third hour that it was just finish the show and we'll just fill it with with, with wrestling and just um, Hmm. that that was that. Uh, Theory was with Otis. They dragged Gable in. Next week, it will be Austin Theory against Johnny Gargano in Brooklyn. Edge promo. He he did a very good kind of go-home promo here for Extreme Rules. He says, this version of him is pretty much Adam. The veil of character has been dropped, which was kind of odd. It's like, this is pretty much me. It's a bit of a character, but uh, it's mostly me you're getting. <laughs> right, yeah. I can 70%. say on this show, you get 100% John Pollock. There's no well, character good. here. Yeah. Good. 
So anyway, a, a bit of an odd line within the body of the show, but nonetheless, he was told at 37 he was done, but he came back at 46, and this has become more difficult. He's not asking for sympathy, but it's taking a toll on his entire family. He sees the fear and doubt in Beth's eyes, and Judgment Day have made it more difficult, and it's his fault the group even exists. But he knows that when his back is against the wall, he comes out swinging. And you can ask Mick Foley, Undertaker, Cena, Orton, and Balor is not facing someone he's ever faced before. You cannot physically hurt me enough to quit. And you better be ready for war on Saturday. He sounded great. Sounded excellent. You know, the man earned his stay home. If he's going to deliver, like, a quality like this with his promos, um... It didn't look like Philadelphia to me. It looked, 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 looked just like his ring at, back home, but, you know, it's perfectly fine. I mean, the show's, like, almost sold out. I mean, how much promotion? What, what are you really doing at this point? I mean, it's right. like... That's right. It's good. Yeah. It's no, good this is a great promo for Manchir. Very, very good. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Adam and Edge, great promo. Next week on the Brooklyn show, Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, Bobby Lashley against Seth Rollins for the U.S. title, Johnny Gargano against Austin Theory, and the DX reunion of Triple H, Shawn Michaels, X-Pac, and Road Dogg. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, that segment. This is the first time that we'll see Paul Levesque on television since, yes. you know, taking over the, this role. So yeah. I, I imagine they're going to have a lot of fun with this segment and we'll probably get... Um, as much time as they they feel like it. Do just, we get an AEW reference? So we might get a Billy Gunn reference. Do we get an AEW reference? Uh, I, I think possible. Yeah, I think I'm sure they're just gonna riff off each other, and it will be. Uh, hmm. Yeah, we'll what? see. We'll see what they do. But I, I, I'm sure it'll be a fun segment. Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair was the main event. Sky missed the over the moonsault and is hit with a DDT. So Bailey distracts the referee, which I think I've said multiple times tonight. Belair goes after her. Dakota Kai gets involved and Belair is sent into the steps. Bliss hits a somersault off the apron to both on the floor, but comes back. Air raid crash over the moonsault by EO and she wins clean. And well, as clean as uh, this, this sounds in nine yeah. minutes and 20 seconds, there was plenty of uh, involvement from those outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if 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 there were at least two moves between the distraction and the finish, I suppose you can classify it as a clean finish. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this was a Masawa Kawada. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of uh, aggression for Alexa early on for the you know giving getting revenge on Asuka. They're, they continue to push these as you know a uh, sort of a faction wars, and I imagine that's very much done for war games. Looking ahead of this, but. Um, you know, you can expect a lot of involvement from everybody uh, in the main event as well for this ladder match because they're by default no DQ, aren't they? So, yes. do we get a title change? I'll say no. That'll be my guess. I am going to say no to, you know, Bianca's just doing so well with it right now and it doesn't feel like it's a hot enough, um, yeah, program just yet, you know, for a title change. So, Unless you want it on the heel, if if you're of the belief like Sasha Banks is coming back and having someone to chase, like maybe, huh. um, you know, okay. maybe it's, maybe it's Sasha like on in, in a singles role. I mean, that's that that would maybe. make sense if you want to do the turn at, at this point. Mm-hmm. But it was ten fifty five. I was like, what are they going to do for five more minutes? So damage control beat up Bliss. They brought out a ladder. They beat up Bel Air. Oscar limps down to the ring with a kendo stick. They beat her up. 
Then they place Bliss between the ladder and kick the legs into her. The baby faces just destro- get destroyed. Rose, pan- Rose plant to Bel Air. Rose plant to Bliss. They did not hit it onto Asuka. She just lay there, essentially. And the ladder is placed over Bel Air. Bailey climbs up, grabs the women's belt as you have Sky and Kai on either side with the tag titles. And they hoist them up to go off the air. So we, we get dynamite that it's like to the last second that some of these matches go until and then it's boom we're done and this it was like five minutes of just attacking and murdering the baby faces well dynamite dynamite this week is going to go extra 15 that's right we get 15 more minutes of dynamite on wednesday yeah 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 no this was definitely a third hour that felt like it was um a bit more of a drag um than than usual when they promoted like big main events for the third hour um I, I, but you know, I, I, I still get to enjoy, like, I think what, what to me is, is a like productive edition of Raw heading into Extreme Rules. I think they did a good job explaining Fight Pit and giving some presence to Daniel Cormier ahead of that particular match. Um, Dominic and Ray, everything just kind of moved along, um, there. Um, what else we got here? You know, that was notable. I, I thought of, of the go-home segments, like the Edge promo, Rollins and Riddle together, and then you also had the uh, the contract signing. Like, I thought they did mm-hmm. a really good job of pushing the key Raw matches for, for Saturday, which tonight show, that, that was the purpose of it. I don't know if any of the matches were kind of of the stellar variety of some that, that we've seen over the past month on Raw, but I thought mm-hmm. that in terms of the, the, the goal of the show of pushing, they did a very good job. Uh, promoting extreme rules as more than just a B show on Saturday. It is a B show, but I think they, they placed a lot of added importance onto the show with the different programs. And you're not wrong about um, Otis. Cause even on his WWE.com preview, Johnny wrestling goes head to head with the tree trunk Otis yeah. in quotations right there. So that seems to be an official nickname, at least that one, that one's going to stick with him. The tree trunk. Hmm. All right. Well, we will open it up now to Super Chats and feedback before we sign off for this uh, historic edition of Raw. Yeah. uh, Let's go to, as always, we allow patrons the ability to leave feedback at forum.postwrestling. That's not it. Forum.postwrestling.com, where you can leave feedback right now to WCW's Great American Bash 1996. Do you have memories of the show? Do you uh, did you watch it recently? Did you want to ask any questions for John Pollock? As always, you can do that there. But tonight, WWE Raw, shall I start? Yes. We go to Hernese from Long Island who says the best part of the show was a segment with the bloodline. I think Solo was supposed to stay stoic, but Sammy broke him and had him laughing. Maybe. Not sure if tonight is for AEW talk, but any worries with the capacity size shows that they are running? Outside of new places like Seattle and Toronto and the New, new, Japan, uh, new Jersey shows, the rest are 2.5K to 4K. Are they blocked by WWE to run bigger arenas? Or they know there's oversaturation in these parts, so let's run shows we can fill out. Okay. Um, any thoughts on the capacity limits that AEW shows seem to be running at two two 2,500 to 4,000, this person says? I mean, there, there's no doubt that when you look at the, the advances for 
the, the shows coming up that, the, you know, AEW has cooled off when it comes to these tickets. It's the exceptions um, that go against, you know, the overall trend that, that we're, we're seeing, like outside of, you know, as you mentioned, Seattle and Toronto. So I, I don't know what your easy answer is, if it now is your excuse to start exploring other markets or kind of addressing like what is – what is turning people away where they're not coming back at the same numbers that, that they were prior? Like you saw Philadelphia last week, like they were down, like you're, you're seeing these, these trends now where people are not coming back. Do you, do you have an overall thought of, because that to me is like the root cause. Like you can come up with different reasons and go to different markets where they might be more hungry, but you know, these, these are markets that, you know, Boston got off to a weak start last week. Like that's been mm-hmm. a very good market for them. And, you know, it's, it's more than just like one specific show here or there. Like it is a trend. I think not having punk around and not just, you know, based off a of recent controversy, but because of the injury from, you know, the earlier in the year, that probably hurt things. I, I imagine like his addition to a lot of these bills would have been pretty significant in terms of, um, hype difference, maybe just even attention on the show in general. Um, Maybe there's something to like, you know, the increased competition from WWE actually being, you know, pretty like critically uh, well reviewed these days. Yep. But I don't think it affects it that much, personally speaking. Um, well, it, it wasn't brought up any, anywhere that I saw. But, you know, last week they were in Philadelphia and that's where Extreme Rules is this Saturday. And Extreme Rules has done tremendously well. So, mm. I mean, like there there probably is some thought to that. But, you know, we, we, we saw the opposite last year when you had, you know, AEW doing really well in New York and and you had WWE, you know, mm-hmm. really ramping up their garden show and then Survivor Series last year. And you had this huge concentration of shows in, in the New York market. Yeah, let's also keep in mind, you know, we are in the midst of um, very difficult financial times and maybe sort of luxury items like, you know, buying tickets to go out to see a wrestling show is not top of mind for a lot of people, especially when they've already seen that that event. Or, or that that promotion before, um, so it could be all those things. But I think in general, it just may be a period where the the product doesn't seem as hot as it did perhaps a year ago with all the new additions. Yeah, I think it is certainly something that I, I think you should be paying a lot of attention to because there is sort of the a perception with with AEW, and I thought I thought Brandon Thurston brought up like to me that is is something worth digging into and that is you know seeing you know we were there in buffalo and when tony khan appeared on the screen this this was fresh off of all out but he was booed and you have heard you know live reports of people that like tony khan like the inclination is to boo and like when you look a bit deeper like what are fans booing because this is like tony khan is aew like what is is there more of a negative sentiment towards aew than there was three or four months ago Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, are they still I, the cool alternative brand? Has that sort of been compromised over the last few months? Because, you know, the the hot thing now is like WWE has taken some of that cool factor away from them. Yeah, it's true. But I, at the same time, if you're going to AEW, you're paying money to see an AEW show. I, I don't necessarily think you're going to rebel like to, to, to voice your displeasure with the product itself. You know, in the same way that I don't necessarily think, you know, when WWE audiences go to see WWE, they're not booing Vince. If anything, they're cheering. They, they so. did cheer that MJF promo. Granted, it was a phenomenal promo, but the the content of that post double or nothing promo was 
This he place sucks, and Tony Khan. Khan's a mark, and this crowd went nuts for that. But problem. the AEW audience, I think, recognizes that as a gimmick. Like, I, I think if there's any ne- negative sentiment towards Tony, it's the fact that somehow he was, he let this punk elite thing get to the point that it's gotten to, and perhaps maybe some, you know, feelings of him just standing by and not doing something at the press conference, perhaps. Um, I. I also think he doesn't do himself any favors like when he comes out screaming um, and maybe even going to the media and like, you know, proclaiming like shenanigans. Um, it, it obviously has a right to believe it, but like I he doesn't look great when he's like, you know, so up in arms um, complaining. So I don't know. It could be some of that. But I I also maybe don't think it's as like big as like p- people don't dislike AEW. Like people might not be as high on it as, as they were, but I think that's just the nature of like, you know, this wonderful shiny new toy that we have that's not so shiny anymore. And then maybe it'll, you know, maybe you'll polish it. They'll polish it up later and it'll be shiny again later. Yeah. I think it's a, it's an area to address. I don't know if you're, you're getting to a, a critical stage, but it's, it's something certainly to be looking at just in terms of your, you know, just returning to these markets and what is the demand going back, um, for what have been reliable markets over these uh, these three years. But anyway, yeah. uh, we go to one more here, and that is from uh, Matthew, who writes, uh, DX versus the Bloodline, War Games. I, I don't know about that one happening. Uh, they are sure beating Rey Mysterio like a drum these days. I understand wanting to build a feud against Dominic, but there has to be better use for Rey. Uh, I I think he's involved in a pretty deep story that they've got going on, and I think you're, you're seeing it go week to week, and... I, I I don't think it's um you know a detriment to Ray you know he's he's involved in a program that's designed to be getting his son over and I'm sure he is all on board for this I mean he's sort of been positioned in in this kind of elder statesman role and that's the position he is in think about it okay if your son turned on you your son is like you know with your enemies He's telling you to hit him at every single t- town you travel to. By the way, he's traveling alone. Okay, he's like he probably sees Dominic. Um, like they're both. I assume Dominic still lives in San Diego. He's probably seen Dominic at the airport hanging out with Judgment Day while Ray has to like I don't know eat the, the, the cold cut sandwich by himself. He's sad. Okay, and then when you're sad, you're not on your game all the time. You're you're, you're going to lose some matches. So. I think it's all part of a bigger story. And I'm sure if you ask Rey Mysterio, imagine going to work and getting to like, you know, like finally a significant storyline for, for you, you and your son. I, I doubt that he'd be complaining too much. All right. That's going to wrap up Rewind to Raw. Way and I are back Tuesday night for Post Wrestling Cafe members with Rewind Away number 117. We are going to be chatting WCW's Great American Bash from 1996, going through that entire pay-per-view. And then we will also be chatting the news from that week in June of 1996. We're going to talk about the ratings that week between Nitro and Raw. Titan Sports making legal threats regarding Kevin Nash and Scott Hall's involvement in WCW. Some drama between Vader and the Ultimate Warrior at WWE house shows. We're also going to be talking about some big arrivals in WWE because, folks, TL Hopper's coming in. Uh, we've got plenty, uh, plenty of notes as well about the Great American Bash and 
some promos that, uh, let's say, don't age so well. In I would say it didn't age well in 1996, oh, yeah. and I don't know how 2022 would think about them either. Yeah, I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So that is all coming up <laughs> on Tuesday night, and uh, dare I guess that Way has uh, tackled the show already? I have one hour left. Okay, that's not too bad. That's yeah. that's manageable. Manageable. But that's going to wrap up uh, Rewind to Raw. Thanks to everybody for joining us. We are live here every Monday night immediately after Raw and immediately after Dynamite, which will have a start time 10.20. We will go live just five minutes after the plus-sized edition of Dynamite this Wednesday night. So that is all. PostWrestling.com for all your latest news and PostWrestlingCafe.com to support oh, Post Wrestling. We should announce one oh last thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, hey, the thing that was if, supposed to be our first announcement. If you've stuck around this long, okay, and if you live in the Toronto area, I should preface it by saying that first. And if you're going to AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, uh, we are going to do a little bit of an informal meetup. And we are going to do it near the Coca-Cola Coliseum at the Tim Hortons in Liberty Village. So uh, just simply Google Liberty Village Tim Hortons. It'll take you right there. Uh, we'll probably be, John and I will probably be there from like five o'clock onwards just to drink our coffees and just to kind of say hi to whoever shows up. It's completely informal, costs nothing. You don't even have to buy a coffee if you don't want to. Uh, we just want to say hi. We just want to meet a bunch of you guys and, uh, you know, um, hang out before the show. So if you're a patron, listen to tomorrow's Rewind Away. I'm actually going to give you guys a code. And if you tell us the code, I might even give you some prizes in the form of stickers, pins, T-shirts, something like that. So uh, at the very least, if you aren't a patron and you, you just show up, I'll probably give you a coffee sleeve to use for your Tim Hortons coffee. So show up Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Liberty Village, Tim Hortons. It is going to be the most sober tailgate party you have ever attended <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday, October 12th, around 5 p.m. by the Tim Hortons. There's a big area that we can all chill out at, and it'll be, as Way said, very informal and hope to see many of you that are going to the Toronto show. And it is a five-minute walk to the Coca-Cola Coliseum, so very mm -hmm. easy uh, walking distance to the Coca-Cola Coliseum. And there are plenty of bars around, too, if you want to drink some of those other beverages after. Well, I mean – Brandon from New Jersey will probably be five deep by the time uh, Tim Hortons rolls around. But there you go. Add that to your itinerary, and we will remind you throughout the week. That is it, and thank you for tuning in to Rewind a Raw. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.